0: Good afternoon, everybody. Our theme for today from Psalm 139 is, Our awesome God is worthy of our worship. Let me share a few beautiful sights that I've seen in my life. Uh, The beauty of Alaska. My wife and I had an opportunity to go to Alaska in 2011, 2019. And uh, we were able to see the beauties of the glaciers. and We went on a whale watching tour and a few other things. And it was just beautiful, beautiful country. 2010, we had the opportunity to go to the Grand Canyon. My first time. And uh, what a sight to see. And to think that God carved that out of the rock with the the, uh, uh, flood rivers. In in 1984, we saw the awesome devastation of Mount St. Helens. To look at all those trees just lying there on the mountainside for miles and miles and miles, it was an awesome sight going to Yosemite a number of times and climbing Half Dome and seeing the beauty of the valley, the beauty of Yosemite. This afternoon, we'll open up God's word and look at the awesomeness of God, who is responsible for all of these things and many, many more. The psalmist David paints a beautiful portrait of God the God we serve. Today we will share three of God's attributes or perfections. Our God is omniscient or all-knowing. Our God is omnipresent or everywhere present. Our God is omnipotent or all-powerful. In closing the psalm, the psalmist David will allow us to read his innermost thoughts. Look over his shoulder, if you will. But today we're only going to look at the omniscience of God and the omnipresence of God. Verses 1 through 12. The omniscience of God. Dr. Charles Ryrie defines omniscience as... Omniscience means that God knows everything things actual and possible effortless effortlessly and equally well have trouble with that word let me share two amazing women with you one was a school principal living in Grand Rapids Michigan she was Able to learn the names of all 700 students in her school. At another school years earlier, she learned the names of over 400 students. So that's 1,100 students just at two schools. The second amazing woman was my mom, now with the Lord Jesus Christ. At the church I attended back in 1973-74 they had a little league there and there were six or seven teams in the league and somehow some way our team made it to the championship the night before the game I went to my parents house to have dinner and my mom was there and my mom knew a lot about baseball. She was a Dodger fan, and she had been following the Dodgers since the mid-40s. And my mother gave me some advice. She said, you know, son, I've attended all your games, and if I were you, I would move the leadoff batter down to, what, third or fourth place, move so-and-so up to the leadoff position, and she just had my lineup all juggle up and she wanted me to use my pictures in a certain way and uh, this is my mother so what am i going to say well i listened to my mother who is not omniscient but she sure knew a lot and we won the championship and i showed her the trophy and mom it's because of you that we won the championship because she was absolutely right. Now, as mentally sharp as these two women were while alive, the God we serve is omniscient. He knows all things. His knowledge has no limits. In fact, in Psalm 147, verse 5, King David writes, Great is our Lord, and abundant in strength, His understanding is infinite. That's according to the New American Standard Bible. The New Living Translation translates it, his understanding is beyond comprehension. One more translation, the English Standard Version says, God's understanding is beyond measure. Our theme for today is Our Awesome God is Worthy of Our Worship. We are known intimately and exhaustively by God. Verses 1-4 through four. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. O Lord, You have examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, O Lord. That's amazing knowledge. Now David says, you have searched me or examined me. The Hebrew word, because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the Hebrew word means God has carefully and thoroughly investigated or examined each of us. Dr. Warren Wiersbe says, the Jewish people use this word to describe to describe digging deep into a a mine. Think of yourself for a second as a coal mine. Our all-knowing God, figuratively speaking, of course, digs deep within each of us to bring out the valuable coal. He knows what's there because he's omniscient. But we don't know what treasure he might bring out from time to time. You see, because of God the Holy Spirit indwelling every believer, God the Holy Spirit makes it possible for there to be valuable ore. Not because of ourselves, but because of his working in our lives. And God knows what's there, and from time to time, he brings out treasures that even surprise us. His knowledge is thorough and complete. He knows our passive life. Look at verse 2. You know when I sit down. You know when I rest at home. He knows our active life. You know when I stand and you know when I travel. He knows our thought life. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. Better rendered, he knows our far away thoughts. At a time like this, when there's so much trouble going on in the world, oftentimes our thoughts are miles and miles away as we think of uh, how uh, many of our loved ones are hurting right now. Or maybe we ourselves are hurting and our thoughts are so far away. Maybe we have a doctor's appointment. Something along those lines. He knows our desires. Our desires that are maybe weeks and months ahead if we're thinking already. He knows our thought lives thoroughly. And he knows our speech life. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. In verse 4. Dr. Ron Rhodes writes Because God is all knowing, He does not learn. He knows all things, both actual and possible. He knows all things past, present, and future. And because he knows all things, there can be no increase or decrease in his knowledge. God's understanding has no limit. Because our God is omniscient or all-knowing, we can turn to him with all our problems, all our needs, all our worries. He wants to hear from us at all times. Listen to Psalm 34, verse 4. Again, King David. I prayed to the Lord, and He answered me. He freed me from all my fears. In the same Psalm, verse 6, David writes, In my desperation I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. Listen to this amazing story. I heard it over 40 years ago, but I've never gotten over how awesome it is. Shortly after Dallas Seminary was founded in 1924, it came to the point of bankruptcy all the creditors were going to foreclose at noon on a particular day. That morning, the founders of the school met in the president's office to pray that God would provide. In that prayer meeting was Dr. Harry Ironside, who later went on to pastor the historic Moody Memorial Church from 1930 1948. When it was his turn to pray, Dr. Ironside prayed in his characteristically refreshing manner. Lord, we know that the cattle on a thousand hills are yours. That's according to Psalm 50. Please sell some of them and send the money to us because we need it bad. While they were praying, at the very moment they were praying, a tall Texan came into the business office and said, I just sold two carloads of cattle in Fort Worth. I've been trying to make a business deal go through and it won't work. And I feel that God is compelling me to give this money to the seminary I don't know if you need it or not, but here's the check." And he gave a check to the secretary. The secretary took the check and knowing something of the financial seriousness of the hour, she went to the door of the prayer meeting and timidly tapped. When she finally got a response, Dr. Lewis Berry Schaefer, the president of the seminary, took the check out of her hand, and it was for the exact amount of the debt. When Dr. Schaefer looked at the signature, he recognized the name of the cattle rancher. Turning to Dr. Ironside, he said, Harry, God sold the cattle. That's a true story. Happened many years ago. God wants to hear our needs. He wants to hear our worries. Because oftentimes He'll answer our prayers in amazing, amazing ways. Back in 1976, somewhere around early December, I got a call from the associate pastor of the church that I was attending and he wanted to meet with me. And he said, George, I have received some money that I wasn't counting on receiving, $390. There is a couple in our church with two small children that are hurting badly. I don't think they're, they know that I know, the pastor said. So I'd like to, for you to give them $250, but you're not to tell them where the money came from. And then I want you to give $140 to a single adult girl attending our church who's in desperate need. Well, I knew all three of them, so off I went to meet with the young couple. I arrived there late evening and knocked on their apartment door. They opened up and we made some small talk and kind of wondered why I was there. And uh, I pulled off that money, an in inevitable, and I said, this is for you. It's a little help. They opened the envelope, and with tears streaming down their faces, they asked, is this from you? And I said, no, but I'm not to tell you who it's from. And they told me they had been praying desperately. They had two small children, and they didn't know where their next meal was going to come from. And I felt so good and we hugged and I cried and I left, And off I went to meet with the single adult. She met me at the door and I said, this is for you and she opened the envelope and tears started streaming down her face and she thought it was from me. And I said, no, it's not from me but I'm not to tell you who it's from. And she told me that she had been praying and she didn't know where her next meal was gonna come from. That's a true story. It happened in 1976. I was a new Christian, maybe three years as a Christian. And it sure did something for my faith. The fact that God would move in the heart of the associate pastor to do such a thing. And I had a small part in that miracle. Our God knows all things. His knowledge has no limits. He knows our every need. Our awesome God is worthy of our worship. Secondly, we're kept secure by God in verse 5. David writes, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Our all-knowing God has completely surrounded us in a protective sense. David writes that God leads us You go before me. You see, God will lead us in the the future. Like the good shepherd of Psalm 23, the shepherd leads his flock to green pastures and still waters. He'll be there for us in the future. Secondly, he follows us. David writes, You go before me and you follow me. God has always been there in our past. I look back over 47 years of being a Christian and I see some amazing things that have happened in my life. Not only in my life, but in the lives of many brothers and sisters around me. God has been there every step of the way from the moment of our salvation. And he'll always be there in the future. Thirdly, he's with us now in the present. You place your hand of blessing on my head. He walks with us now in the present. About 36 and a half years ago, Our firstborn daughter, Leslie, was learning how to walk, climb various things, and uh, she had never climbed the stairs before. And there are 14 steps to the second floor. And Leslie started to climb the stairs. And so my wife, not wanting for her to get hurt, got in front of Leslie. I was in back of Leslie and she would climb a step, look back at Daddy, look forward at Mommy and with a gleeful smile and we would make a big to-do about it and she'd climb the next step, the same thing, we would clap. She made it all the way to the second floor all 14 steps. You see, she was surrounded by loving parents. And if loving parents can do that for their child, how much more the omniscient God will always be there in our lives. Let's look at knowledge that bottles the mind. Verse 6. David looks back at all these things he's written and he says, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. We would say back in the 60s that it blows my mind to think of all these things. Listen to Psalm 147, verse 4. I'm going to give you just a few examples of the amazing knowledge of God. Now, Mind you, these are only a few examples. In Psalm 147, verse 4, the psalmist writes, God counts the stars and he calls them all by name. Again, he counts the stars and he calls them all by name. Now, some people may say, oh, that's hyperbole. You know, we're not to take it literally. I do. I do. Listen to what was in the Mercury News a few years ago. Scientists believe there are possibly 300 sextillion stars. Three trillion times 100 billion. Each has a name. Think about that. If God can do that with the stars and with the planets, isn't He a God who wants to be near and dear and help us? Times of difficulty, we need to pray to our God. Let Him know our worries, our needs, our troubles. In Matthew 10, 30, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Mind you, he said this somewhere in the 30s A.D. Now think about it. How many people had preceded the disciples? since the time of Adam and Eve. Millions and millions and millions of people. And God knows every hair on our heads. And since the time of Christ, we're going on almost 2,000 years. And think of all the people who have lived since the time of Christ. He knows how many hairs are on our head. As I get older, it becomes easier and easier for God to know that. Listen to Daniel chapter 2, beginning with verse 31 through 45. Daniel interprets a dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had, the king of Babylon. Now, the king had this dream somewhere close to 600 B.C., he was ruling over Babylon. And he had a dream of a metallic man with a head of gold, iron, silver and then on and down it went, representing the kingdoms of the world that were to follow Nebuchadnezzar. And no one in his court could interpret the dream. So God I saw Nebuchadnezzar sent for Daniel, who was a servant there. And Daniel, through God the Holy Spirit, interpreted the dream for King Nebuchadnezzar. And he said, King Nebuchadnezzar, your kingdom of Babylon is the head of gold. And after you, there'll be another kingdom, the Medo-Persian Empire. After the Medo-Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire took over. After the Grecian Empire took over, the Roman Empire took over. And then Rome fell. And in the future, there'll be a revived Roman Empire, the Bible says in the book of Revelation and in the book of Daniel. And after the arrival of the revived Roman Empire, the Lord Jesus Christ will come back from heaven and destroy that last kingdom. And He'll set up His Messianic Kingdom, which will last for 1,000 years here on the earth. After the Messianic Kingdom, there'll be eternal glory for the children of God. Listen to what the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 24 and 25. Jesus is talking to his disciples and they were looking at the beauty of the temple that existed at that time. And Jesus said, this temple shall be destroyed. And it was in 70 AD. And Jesus went on to give details of what would take place sometime yet in our future in the time of the tribulation period that's yet to come. A time of seven years of terrible tribulation. If we think it's bad now, we have not seen anything yet. And after that tribulation period, Jesus Christ would come back and again, as it was in Daniel, He'll set up His glorious earthly kingdom which will last for a thousand years. So Jesus looked into the future and He was able to tell the disciples what would take place. Daniel was able to do the same thing through the power of God the Holy Spirit. I once heard somebody say, imagine world's history as a parade, marching by. God is sitting on the fence, and he's able to see everything all at one time, and read the minds and the hearts of every human being in human history. We are looking through a little knothole, and we can only see so much. And even through the Word of God, we're only able to see so much, because that's the way God has arranged it. But God knows all things. He's omniscient. Dr. Ron Rhodes says, when life throws us a punch, we can rest in the knowledge that God has known about it from the beginning of time, and is working things out for His glory and for our glory ultimate good our awesome God is worthy of our worship in closing let's look at the omnipresence of God verses 7 through 12 again I'll be reading from the New Living Translation I can never escape from your spirit I can never get away from your presence if I go to heaven you are there If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. The omnipresence of God. Again, Dr. Charles Ryrie defines omnipresence as it means that God is everywhere present in his totality at all times. God is everywhere present in his totality at all times. Solomon, when he was dedicating the temple, the Jewish temple back around 950 BC, he said, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, how much less this temple which I have built. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 23, it records the words of God. God speaking, God says, Am I a God who is only close at hand? No, I am far away at the same time. Can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and the earth? Says the Lord, God is everywhere present in his totality at all times. Now, where can we go to escape God if we wanted to? Well, David writes, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, the place of the dead, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, when the sun comes up, the rays look like wings. If I ride the wings of the morning, even if I dwell in the farthest oceans, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. There is nowhere we can go to flee from God, but the question I always ask is, Why would somebody want to escape from the presence of God? Sometimes when we get out of the will of God, we'd like to escape and flee from God. But this passage is also comforting because we can take comfort knowing that God is always nearby. Jonah tried to flee from God, but he was out of the will of God. Our omnipresent God would not allow his disobedient prophet to flee, to escape from his sight. He loved Jonah too much. God had told Jonah to go to the Ninevites and to preach a a short message to them. Hopefully that they would repent, which they did. But Jonah hated the Ninevites. Some theologians believe that possibly some of Jonah's relatives had suffered under the the Assyrians who lived in Nineveh. The Assyrians were brutal people. They would often bury people with just their heads sticking out of the ground. Or they would chop off heads and make a pile right outside of the city to intimidate people. They were brutal, brutal people. And God sent Jonah to warn them, and Jonah ran. But God in his love pursued Jonah and brought him back, and Jonah fulfilled his mission. Adam and Eve tried to hide from God. After disobeying him, they could not escape his sight. Our God loved Adam and Eve too much to let them hide for too long. Listen to this story. It's called The Runaway Bunny. A little bunny told his mother he had decided to run away from home. If you run away, says his mother, I will run after you, for you are my little bunny. She goes on to tell him that if he becomes a fish in a trout stream, she will become a fisherman and fish for him. If he becomes a little boy, she will become a human mother and catch him in her arms and hug him. No matter what the little rabbit says, his doggedly persistent, ever-pursuing mother will not give up on him or let him get away. Oh, Mom, said the little bunny at last, I might as well stay where I am and be your little bunny. Have a carrot, said his mother, handing him a carrot. It's comforting to know that our God, like a loving mother, will not let us out of his sight, will not let us out of his presence. He is omniscient, he knows all things, He's omnipresent. He's everywhere present in His totality at all times. Listen to Hebrews 13.5. He Himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Romans 8.39 says, Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus Our Lord. And Psalm 23:4 says, "Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for You are with me." Sometimes the shepherd would take his sheep through these dry river beds called wadis, and in those river beds would be snakes and other predators, and the sheep are very fearful. But the shepherd says, I am with you. I am with you. And right now, many of us are going through difficult, difficult times. And maybe we're afraid. We're fearful. And that's only natural. That's human. But we need to take it to God when we're fearful of what's going on around us. And David closes with, we cannot be concealed from God. God's all-seeing eyes can penetrate even the darkness. David writes, I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and night are the same to you. In the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews writes in chapter 4, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. He is the one to whom we are accountable. God sees all things. God knows where we're at. And he wants us to turn to him in difficult times. Let me close with this illustration. When my girls were small, I would uh, turn over the sofa in the living room and it had many cushions. And I would build a cave there and maybe throw a few blankets on it And my girls would go in there with their dollies and their blankies and my two girls would hide in there my daughters Ashley and Leslie and uh, I would be looking for them where are those girls where are they I I know I know they were just here a few minutes ago and now I can't find them and I could hear them squealing inside of the cave and uh, That would give everything away, even if I didn't know where they were. And at just the right time, I would peek in and sometimes knock the cushions in or or say boo or something like that, and they would come out squealing because I had found them. Now right now, it's possible that some of us are trying to run away from God, to hide from God, it's not a wise thing to do the smart thing is to run to God not try to hide from God as Jonah or Adam and Eve did let me summarize our God is all knowing he is omniscient we are known intimately and exhaustively by God we are kept secure by God God's knowledge boggles the mind. It blows our minds. Secondly, our God is everywhere present. He's omnipresent. We cannot escape God's presence. We cannot be concealed from God. It's a very comforting thought. God willing, next time, we'll finish the psalm. But for now, let's close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our time together. We thank you, Lord, that you are omniscient, that you are omnipresent, that you are omnipotent. There's nothing that you cannot do Father, thank you so much that you love us and you long to have a relationship with all people. You've made provision for all people. The Lord Jesus Christ has died on Calvary's cross. And by placing our faith in Christ, who paid our sin debt, we can have life eternal now and throughout all eternity. We can have our sins washed away. We can become a part of a family of believers. God, the Holy Spirit, will give us spiritual gifts that we can exercise for the benefit of the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing love.